uh, last week, last weekend, I think we experienced 30 uh, salvations, and then the week of, we experienced another 30 salvations. So, praise the Lord that God brought is bringing people into the kingdom. It's incumbent upon us then to disciple them and to uh, create water baptism and watch them grow in the Lord and then do things in Christ that uh, they could never dream of. I never dreamt I would be a pastor. Janie never hoped I would be a pastor. And uh, those things work out, but God's in charge. Amen? She's downstairs checking a couple Sunday school classes and children's ministry. She'll be up in a minute to, to be my amen corner. God is good all the time. He is good. He is a good, good father. He's a good dad. He's a, he, he wants you to succeed in life. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour his spirit upon you. I, I was praying in my prayer time a while back, and uh, the Lord just kind of dropped this in me before and after, before and after, before and after. And I always, the Lord never gives you things in full. He always gives you things in part. He told David to go, or he told uh, rather Samuel to go to Jesse's house and anoint one of his son's kings. It would have been a lot easier if he just said, go anoint David king at uh, Jesse's house. But no, he, he kind of gives it in part. So he'll give you things in part. He doesn't always give you the full. And then he wants you to kind of search it out and just kind of meditate on it. And so he gave me this before and after. And so I start researching what did Jesus do right before the cross? What are some of the things he did before the cross that he did right after the cross? Like what were the two? Because what happened before the cross is a prelude to what happened after the cross. What happened after the cross still exists today. And so those are things that we want to know. Those are things we want to experience. And so we're going to investigate over the next three weeks some things that Jesus did before the cross that were paramount. They're scriptural, biblical. Uh, some of them are in all four gospels. And then what he did after the cross, maybe through uh, the book of Acts or later still in the gospels and, and move forward that way. It's a beautiful uh, comparison uh, that the Lord takes us through. It's like, you know, if you're maybe in college, we have groups of people here that are going in there, getting their degrees and their master's degrees. And so they, what they're prepared for here before they graduate and then what they do right after they graduate should be, in a sense, essence, uh, a replication of what they were doing before. So they're in training now. They graduate. Now they go into uh, the work environment, corporate America, or start businesses, or politics, whatever God calls them into. That's a reflection of what they were prepared for. So Jesus is showing us kind of a reflection. He was prepared for this. He did this, and now he's doing it. Not only is he doing it, he's releasing us to do that uh, with him and for him. So I'm going to pray over the, the scriptures uh, that we read. We like to, to read the, the Bible here at Grace Church, and we like to present the word uh, because it shouldn't be my words, it should be his word, amen? And so we're going to pray, and then we'll go through some scripture today. I hope it blesses you uh, as it blessed me during my study time. And I was telling Janie about it yesterday. We were sitting on our back porch, and uh, I just, I, I just, I get overwhelmed when I realize how good God is. He is a good Father. He loves every single one of us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we just pray that it is uh, 
It is open to us, that our hearts would be open to your word today and our minds wouldn't be cluttered. We ask that you remove the noise right now and the chatter right now that might be in our mind. The things that we're thinking about, maybe a busy week or something we got to do or something that we can't forget to do, Lord, remove that right now. Lord, let us write it down, put it on our phone, but help us to concentrate over the next 30 minutes or so on what you have for us. Lord, there's miracles in the house today. There's blessing in the house. There's healings in the house. There's restoration in the house. There's redemption in this house today. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for that. We thank you for brothers and sisters in the Lord that are in this fight together. We stand with one another. So open our hearts to hear that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. So before and after, before and after, think about that kind of before and after. You'll think through life of things that you did that were actually preparing you for things that God will have you do. Like, oh, I didn't realize I went into sales so that I could learn how to speak to people. I'm an extreme introvert. I am totally fine just hanging out on my back porch by myself. I'm okay with that. Give me a book. I'm okay. When Janie's not home, I don't turn the TV on. I just go out in the yard or go, uh, I go on the porch and I just I read my Bible. If I get up in the middle of the night, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying. I'm just, I'm an introvert. But when I walk in on a Sunday morning, it's a different me. I, I can't wait to get with the people. I can't wait to say hi. I can't wait to hug, to high five, to, to, to see how people's weak are, to, to meet with people and agree with them. It's just, it's, the Lord prepared me uh, 10 years of sales on how to just meet with people and present. I never thought I would go into full-time ministry, and then he brought me into full-time ministry. And I, I only know now what I wish I'd have known then as far as the, the prep goes. God is preparing you for things. that, And you wonder why you're going through those things. He's preparing you for something, a, a different walk. He's preparing you for a deeper walk. He's preparing you for those things. So grab that. Gravitate over these next three weeks that, the, hey, the Lord's preparing me. Maybe things aren't the way you want them 100%. He's preparing. That's prep time. And then if you get into that season where he's using you, which he will be using you, there'll be more seasons. <laughs> there'll be more fruit. There'll be more spring, summer, winter, fall type seasons. And so we're going to go to Luke's gospel, the 22nd chapter. And we read this last week. We've read it a lot. But this is like one of the befores. Jesus does this amazing thing we call the Last Supper. Beautiful pictures painted about it. Beautiful stories told about it. And yet he's in a a place. He's he's having a moment. He's having a day. uh, And it's kind of a, a twixt between the two. Uh, Charles Dickens says, and the fact that uh, he's going to be leaving his his 12 guys that he spent the last three years with, like 24-7, 365, and he's going to go back to his father. So he's happy about going to his father. He's kind of sad about leaving these guys, but he's going to have a supper with them, okay? And so he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Verse number 20, then he says, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So he, he talks about the bread, and, and he talks about his broken bread, and he says in scriptures, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and, and people are like, wow, that's just kind of, that's kind of weird, actually. Jesus wanted us to eat. Well, he's talking about it in the him being the bread of life, and if he's the bread of life, and then the old loaves of bread, culturally speaking, and probably still today, if you go to the, the market, you buy bread that's not sliced. Once the bread is sliced, it, it starts to 
fade quicker, okay? But if the bread stays whole, it lasts a little bit longer, so they would break the bread, and then they would give it to each other. That's why we get the terminology, break, let's go break bread sometime. Let's, let's have dinner together. Let's, let's break bread. And so Jesus wants to be broken, not in body or spirit, but in life-giving nature. He wants, this, he wants to be broken for us so that he can give every person here life, Jamie and Dale and, and Gary. He wants to give us life, Janie and, and Lisa and Henry. He wants to give us life, and so he's willing to be broken for us. And then the wine can't be poured out, whether you drink wine or juice, that wine can't be poured out or drunk unless it's poured out. So when, once it's poured out, and this is the salvation, this is the covenant, the new covenant that he talks about in his blood is salvation. We're free in Christ Jesus because he died for us. You all know that. But then Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. All right, so why are we walking around handcuffed? Why are we walking around less than? Why are we walking around uh, not victorious when Jesus has already set the victory for us? And so he talks about that. Verse number 21 then, he says, But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with he, me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. All right, we, we know that. And they began to question one another which of them uh, it could be who was going to do this. They're, they're, a, little bit, uh, they're a little bit ignorant. They're, they're, not, they're, they're a little clueless, okay? Uh, Jesus has been talking to them. Sometimes he talks in parables. Sometimes he talks, maybe it feels like a riddle. He's, you know, he that has ears, let him hear. Well, we all have ears. We should be able to hear. But he talks in this depth of knowledge that I want you, this is Jesus, I want you to find me. We have a picture uh, on our, a painting on our back porch, and it's just a, maybe a lily field. And then on the bottom it says to uh, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we get in a hurry to find out what, where God's taking us and what God has for us. Well, Jesus does four things here at this Last Supper that he does right after the resurrection that I'll talk about, but he did it again uh, in the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only story that's in all four Gospels other than the Passion Week, the death, burial, and resurrection. So the feeding of the 5,000 is, is the epitome of what a story is, and so all four Gospel writers look at it, they look at it a little differently, but they all pretty much say the same thing. He takes the bread he blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, and he gives it away. And there's a, there's a, uh, there, that's a system for our life, if you will, on how we could live this thing in Christ. First, Jesus takes us, okay? And he didn't have to. He didn't have to die for us. He wanted to die for us. He wanted to die for us. So there's a restored relationship between us and the Heavenly Father. Aren't you glad Jesus died? I mean, he takes us, right? And then he blesses us. And then we all love the blessings of the Lord. He blesses us with fellowship. He blesses us with church community. He blesses us with each other. He blesses us with uh, his word. He blesses us with the opportunity to pray, to fast, to give. All these wonderful things that build disciplines in our life. But then there comes a moment in our life where we're blessed. And when we're blessed, then he starts to break us down. He breaks us away a little bit. And when we're, when we're broken down, it's, it's think, like we don't want to go through that, but then he's able to give us away. So he, he takes us, he, he, he blesses us, he breaks us, he gives us away. Jonah, I saw Jonah walk. Jonah, come here for a second, will you? Can you yeah, my grandson, Jonah, everybody say, hi, Jonah. And uh, he said, so step up here. 
need help? At a basketball game this morning, he said, no, I don't need your help, old man. I'm going to use you because you're my height. You're actually a little taller. Brady is taller than me. He's 14. I'm, in, I'm a little bit envious. You're still my height for another week or two, and you've been growing by leaps and bounds. And so as a young person, uh, Jonah is, how old are you? 12. 12 years old. <laughs> Man, if I'd have been that way at 12, look out, NFL, possibly for you too. So Jonah's 12 years old. Jonah, just about a year or two years ago, was like, this, probably this tall, weren't you, at 10, and you started playing football at 10 years old, and you're quite a bit, you weigh less now than you did at 10, probably like 25 pounds less, right? And so it would be okay to say you were kind of short and stocky, <laughs> but at 10, you weren't even short. You were like tall and stocky for a 10-year-old, and you weighed like a couple hundred pounds, right? <laughs> like like 203 or so, right? You're a big guy. If I'd have been 203 at 10 pounds, they wouldn't have let me on the field because we had a 120-pound weight limit. Only two guys could weigh 120. The rest had to weigh 105 or less. I weighed like 95. I weighed 138 when I was a sophomore in high school. We're just talking. <laughs> you can join us. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with it. So it's kind of like life. God takes us and blesses us, right? I mean, this is a, it's beautiful. Like, we, we take God, and, and, and so Jonah's got one of the most incredible mothers and brothers in the, in the whole world, and, and his mama wants the best for him, right? I'm going to give you this, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to do this. And, every, like, once a week, Jonah would show up in a, a new pair of shoes. And so, like, I wanted his mom, and she's my daughter. So, like, buy me a new pair of shoes every week. And so all these blessings are taking place, and Jonah's just, Jonah's fighting the fight. Jonah's, Jonah's playing the game. He's learning how to play football. He's learning how to play basketball. He, if, it, if it's out there, he wants to try it. He wants to do that. And so it's, he's being, he's taken, he's being blessed, but then his body starts to change and things are breaking away from him, right? So now he's shooting up. He is literally taller than me. Can we go back to back for a second? Who's taller, me or Jonah? Ah, I didn't want to hear that, but I did want to hear that. I didn't want to hear it, but I didn't want to hear it. And so Jonah now is taller than me, and yet, and now he's slimming out. He's not short and husky anymore. He's tall and thin, right? And not, and Brady too. Stand up, Brady, for a second. I want to leave you out because you're like three inches taller than me. That's Brady. That's the man. The man, the braidster, whatever we call it. He was the man for a while, but he's not the man anymore. Did a Rubik's Cube in 37 seconds for me one day. Yeah, 37 seconds. Come on, beat that. Ha! So anyways, so Jonah's taller. I'm going somewhere with this. Because in life, you think God takes you and he blesses you and you're content staying there. You're, okay being, you're content being okay with that. God's not. God wants you to be that fine young person that grows, that, that in, in your spirit man thins out, that in your spirit man you become that, that you're maturing and so that as you're going through this training part that now you're, you're, you're still being taken by the Lord, you're still being blessed by the Lord, but now you're filling out, you're growing out. And then at, at some point in time, his mother's going to give him away to college or give him away to a career or give him away to, and she may go with him. She may go with both the boys. But you see what I'm saying? If we allow God 
to take us and bless us, we also have to allow him to break us and give us away. Because if he can break us and give us away, then we become the potential. Five years from now, I'll bring Jonah back up here. He'll probably be like this. He'll have hit the weights. He'll be some kind of monster guy. And he'll be like, remember Jonah when I had him at 12? Now he's at 17 and every college in America is after him or, or whatever the case would be. My point is this. If we allow, see, we get a little selfish. We get a little selfish. I don't want to go meet somebody across the, the other side of the church. I don't want to go introduce myself. I don't want to find out how they're doing. I don't want to pray for them. That's part of the breaking to get us out of that norm so that we can become the, the person that Christ wants us to be. Does, does that make sense? Give Jonah a hand. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jones. So glad that you're taller than me now. You. Two years ago, he was like this, and he, he, was, he was stocky. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a nice way of putting. Dale, you're kind of stocky a little bit. Little stocky guy. No. <laughs> I can mess with him. I can mess with him. Take, bless, break, give away. Okay, th hang on to that for a second. Because then right after the resurrection, basically the same day of the resurrection, Jesus does the same thing. He's, now, Jesus is, uh, how, many, how many know Jesus was busy on resurrection day? I mean, the tomb is empty. Uh, the grave's open. He's got to take, take a group of people to heaven to parade him in front of the Father. That was the cultural thing to do. Plus, those people had nowhere to go. They were locked in a holding place called paradise for 1,000, 2,000, 10, 20 years. It doesn't matter how long. They couldn't go to heaven because heaven's gates were sealed. And so Jesus dies. The graves are open. They walk on the earth. And then Jesus tells Mary first thing in the morning, Mary, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my Father. When I ascend to my Father, then we'll be really good, okay? So he ascends to the Father. He comes back, and now it's a little bit later in the day, and he's walking he, with a couple guys on what we call the road to Emmaus. It's seven miles outside of Jerusalem, and the human probably walks uh, statistically 15 to 18 minute miles, all right? If you're walking for exercise, you'll probably walk closer to 15 minutes. If you're walking for conversation, you probably walk closer to 20. Well, these guys are on a dirt road in sandals, and so they're probably walking closer to 20-minute miles. Think about, hang on there for a second, because if you're walking seven miles with somebody, you're walking with them for about two and a half hours, all right? Now let's pick up the story in uh, Luke, the 24th chapter, verse number 27. And beginning with Moses, this is Jesus teaching the best sidewalk Sunday school story ever written, and the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He's pouring himself out to Cleopas and the other disciple. I like to say the other disciple hasn't been mentioned because we can just insert our name there, okay? So the uh, Cleopas and Mark, or Cleopas and Janie, or Cleopas and Gennard, or Cleopas and uh, Jamie, Cleopas and your name, dot, dot, dot. We're walking on this road. Let's go to verse 28. And Jesus is like sharing the good news. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. Now, again, he has spent about two hours, maybe two and a half hours with these guys. Think about it for a second. The last people that probably any of us would have hung out with were people that were walking the wrong way. 
Jesus comes back to earth. He's resurrected. He's in a glorified body. First person I'm going to go see is Pilate. And say, man, you had it wrong, dude. Look at me. I'm the risen Savior. I wouldn't go and talk to Caiaphas. How's, how's Barabbas now? See, we have this flesh that rises up, and we always want to prove to people how wrong they really are. Jesus wanted to take some time. He took time with two guys that the Scripture doesn't even mention anymore. Peter, James, and John, he asked, could you spend some time with me? I'm going through a tr struggle here. Would you come pray with me? And they fall asleep three different times. It's not the first time they ever fell asleep. They fell asleep at the Mount Transfiguration as well. And then they want to get up and make an altar. We always want to make an altar. We want to make a big deal when we're falling asleep. Some of you are half asleep right now. Just slap yourself for a second. I'm going to wake up, Pastor. Wake up so you can hear this word. It's good. It's a good word, I'm telling you. It's life-changing, not because I'm preaching it. Some of you can preach it better, but because Jesus is preaching on the day of resurrection, and they're saying, like, don't go any further. It's about the end of the day. Don't go any further. And Jesus already spent two and a half hours with him. Let write this down. Jesus will always make room for you. Jesus will always make time for you. He was wanting the disciples to make time for him, Peter, James, and John. And the night that he was betrayed, they kept falling asleep. So when he comes back, he finds his disciple, Cleopas, and another one not to be named. And he spends two and a half hours with them on Resurrection Sunday. I find that incredible. It'd be like someone wanting me to go fishing and spend two and a half hours with them. I wouldn't do it. There's so much more I could get done in two and a half hours than fishing. But I love the people that fish. They show great restraint and great patience, and they're and they're and they're, they're detailed, and they have to have the right hook, and they have the right sinker, or linker, whatever those things are called, bobbers, all those code names. I, what are they? What's a bobber? I know a Bobby. I know a Robert. I don't call anybody Bob. Hey, bobber. <laughs> I don't fish. I don't watch paint dry either. It's about the same. Hey, you want to go watch some paint dry? No. You want to go fish? No. No, I don't. Please don't ask me to go fishing with you. But Pastor, we'll catch something. I don't care. It just sounds like too much work to me. That's why I don't eat shellfish. Too much work. Unless somebody shells that lobster and that crab for me. I ain't eating it. All right, set another subject. So he spends time with them. I'm, I'm confused by that because, again, I thought the disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, I thought these, got, that these were his crew. But Jesus is showing us here that if you want to, you can spend as much time with Jesus as you'd like. Jesus always has time for you. If it's five minutes in the morning, if it's 85 minutes in the morning, he has time for you. He wants to be your friend. All right, let's go on verse 29. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them, verse number 30. So when he was at the table with them, he did the same thing. He took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave it away. This is the before, this is the after. Before, he just did this on Thursday night, what we would call Monday Thursday. He just did it. He took, blessed, broke, and gave away. Now he's doing it again. And then when you, when you see something happen in Scripture before the cross and after 
of the cross, when you see something happen in Scripture multiple times, you have to start thinking, wait a second, Jesus is going somewhere with this. And by the way, they, they invite him to their house or their place or their establishment. Are you with me? Like, no, come with us. And all of a sudden, when he gets there and they're sitting at the table, Jesus takes the bread. Jesus blesses the bread. Jesus breaks the bread. Jesus gives it away. What is happening here? He moves from guest to host. And this is really important. Grab this. See, a lot of us Christ followers, we're okay making Jesus the guest in our life. We're okay making them guests. Like, you come in here, but I'm only going to show you, like, when you go to somebody's house, they're going to show you where the restroom is, maybe the kitchen, the living room. They're not necessarily going to show you every room in the house. So we don't always open every room to our house to Jesus. He's our guest. We're good for salvation. We're good for, you know, like uh, healing. We're good for miracles. But don't, Lord Jesus, don't get into these deep places with me. But all of a sudden, he shows us he doesn't just want to be guest. He wants to be host. He doesn't want to just be Savior. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be Lord of everything in your life. Like he wants to be Lord of your finances. He wants to be Lord of your marriage. He wants to be Lord of your children. He wants to be Lord of your church. He wants to be Lord of your community. He wants to be Lord of your business. He wants to be Lord of everything in your life. And he shows us right here in the scripture that he's the guest, but now he becomes the host. And because he's the host, he's the Lord. And he does this again, bless and take or bless and Break, take, break, and, and give away. It's a matter of just beauty, beautiful thing because now he's the Lord. If we make Jesus the Lord of our life, then we give him the opportunity. We give him the power and the authority, figuratively speaking. He already has it to take us, to bless us, to break us, and to give us away. And because he does this after the resurrection, look what happens next in verse number 31. And their eyes were opened. See, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, all of a sudden your eyes just become open. It becomes a phenomenon. I mean, I feel like I love God my whole life. I feel like my parents love God. My family members love God. But I didn't really, I personally, I can't speak for my family. I personally didn't have Jesus in a relationship way. I didn't, I didn't know like Jesus was always up there, right? And when I talked to him or I prayed to him, I kind of had to pray through somebody else. And, and all of a sudden, was, my eyes were open. Man, I have a friend. His name is Jesus. He not only saved me, he saved the whole entire world. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That's a beautiful. So now, like, we all want friends in high places, even Garth Brooks, right? And so, but we have Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He loves you so much. Their eyes are open and they recognized him. It's like this, now there's this realization that Jesus isn't just someone that I can pray through to or, or pray through a saint to, or Jesus has this intimacy with each and every person that he makes time for us if we make him the Lord of our life and not just Savior, and now we can talk to him on a daily basis. God, you are so good for sending your son Jesus Christ. And then, boom, like that, he vanished from sight. Like, oh, man, how would you... Feel if you just spent two and a half, three, maybe four hours with Jesus, but you didn't realize it until the last 30 seconds, and now he's gone. This is why 
about 40 years ago, I committed that every church service I walked into, every prayer meeting I walked into, every Bible study I walked into, I would be intent on trying to get everything I could out of that meeting. That it would be important for me not to go through the motions, but just to grab and gravitate everything. Why? Because if, here, here's, here's what happens sometimes. Jesus shows up. The Holy Spirit shows up. The miracle's in the house. It's just that the person there didn't recognize it, didn't receive what God had for him. And these guys, as soon as their eyes are open, he vanishes from their sight. And then verse 32 says this. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on that road, while he opened the scripture to us? And by the way, become a word person. If you become a word person, God will show you things. God will dump things on you. God will unload things on you. Y'all, you may have more questions than answers, but that's the way God wants it. Did not our hearts burn within us? The more you grow with Jesus Christ, the more your heart will burn for him. The more you'll become just addicted to him, the more rush you'll get from him by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's important that you understand that Jesus isn't just a one-time fix. He's an everyday grow intimately with him. I can't run to him just when I need something. I can, but it's not a healthy relationship. If I run to Jesus every single day that I'm alive, Lord, here I am again, and I don't even need anything today, Father. I just want to bless you, Jesus. I just want to praise you, Jesus. I just want to love you, Jesus. I just want to glorify you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus just whisks you away with his loving arms and gives you a big old hug. Did not our hearts burn within us? Jeremiah says some, similar, the same thing in Jeremiah 20 and 9. He says, it was like fire shot up in my bones. I couldn't, I couldn't contain it. It was like fire. It just, it just had a bust out of me. It just had a burst out. We wonder I, sometimes how some people are just so emotional or, so, or they're, so, they're so powerful. They, they just, it's, like, it's like Jeremiah. It's just like it's fire. It's, it's in my bones. It's got to break loose. It's got to break out. I can't do anything about it. It's a powerful in fact, Ezekiel says the same thing. Ezekiel is shown a, a way. He's a prophet. He's a, he's a guy. He's God's anointed. He's God's blessed. But let's go to Ezekiel 37, and we'll, we'll navigate through this in, in closing, and then we're going to pray for anybody here that, that might need a miracle today, whether you've been prayed for or not. Why not, why not make it today? The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out to the, in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me around among them. Behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Let's park there for a second. I, I, I see where it says in the spirit of the Lord, but we, you know, is, it, is, is it a dream? Is, is it a reality? Is, is it kind of speaking metaphorically? I, I tend to believe that maybe it's like a, it's like a deep have you ever been in a really deep, deep dream? Like that dream became real. It was like, man, I was there. I, I want to see what happened. I had a dream like that the other morning, three, maybe four mornings ago. Uh, and I waited a day or two to even tell Janie. It was a, just a really cool dream. We, we were at the down. 
downtown campus, and the place was just absolutely packed, just standing room only, and uh, the service was kind of getting over, uh, and so Andrew has guitar, and Emily, and then I was walking out with our daughter Jessica, who does sound for us, and so we were, we were walking out, and nobody, like, nobody even noticed us, all right, which that's fine, we're not, I'm not supposed to be noticed, but it was like, they were all locked. Janie and Marcus were on the platform. Normally, close those. Those are two closers. Those they, they close the service, and Janie was closing the service. But she was prophesying over like over everybody in the house, and everybody was just locked and loaded. Like they and I said, uh, we need to get going. We got to go start service at the other. Let's go. Let 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 those guys finish. You know, they'll finish up maybe an hour or two. Maybe we'll just do the service ourselves. And and uh, I said, but I don't have my keys. And Jessica said, uh, you can just ride with me, Papa. And and uh, Andrew let me said, yeah, we'll just we'll go over there and we'll get this thing started. And I looked back, and Janie was just calling people out and prophesying. And, and I didn't want to go. I wanted to be prophesied over. You know, I wanted to be one of those guys. It was real. It was like I wanted to fall back to sleep and see what she had to say. I wanted wanted that dream to last and and take place. Maybe that's what Ezekiel was here. Maybe he was in a a dream that was so real because it was in the spiritual world. So if you have dreams and they they appear to be real or or spiritual, maybe just pray into them. And I was telling her about it, and and she said, wow, that sounds like something that's just amazing getting ready to happen. And then she started talking about just kind of the spiritual attack that that the Dolphins family has been under. And, and, you know, we're mature. We laugh about it, but yet we pray about it. It, right? We, we, okay, enemy, you have no control, and we're going to pray, but we also pray for our kids who uh, unfortunately have to go through the same thing, or their kids who unfortunately have to go through some of those things. So we pray strategically. We've been taught that. And so Ezekiel goes, son of man, can these bones live? Listen to me, church, one time, and I've said it before, if God is asking you a question, it's not because he needs to know the answer. It's because he wants you to know the answer. He wanted Ezekiel to know, can you prophesy and these bones live? If God's asking you something, he already knows where he wants to take you. You just need to be part of that breakaway. You need part of that broken spirit, that remolding, that giveaway, and allow God to change it. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe he has a better one for you, but maybe he wants you to learn something along the way. Maybe there's a a remolding. there's There's a redoing. Maybe you've broken a relationship. And you're like, man, I don't know what's doing wrong. I can't, I can't, maybe God is doing something to you. It's a brokenness. He says, son of man, can these bones live? And he says, Lord, only you know if they can live. Why are you asking me? Because he wants you to know that he has you in control. He's got control of your life. If we surrender it to him, verse number four, then he says this, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones. Say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Prophesy over the dry bones. Now listen, stop there for a second. You might want to write this down. I believe it's biblical. It's my interpretation. You can say, no, that's not how I see it. I'm okay with that. I think you prophesy to the dead areas in your life, but you proclaim or declare over the living areas of your life. 
So if something's alive, like I declare blessing over my wife. I declare and proclaim blessing over my children, over their children, over their homes, over our church, over our community. But if something's dead, if it's a broken relationship, if it's a, if it's a part of the body that's not working, if it's something, if it's, uh, if it's a business failure, if it's something like that, then I prophesy over that because if I prophesy over it, then these things will happen. Verse number five then says, thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Verse number six, and I will lay sinews upon you, cause flesh to come upon you, cover you with skin, put breath in you. So all of a sudden, I'm, see, when we prophesy, hear this is important. When you prophesy, stop trying to choreograph how God's going to do it. When you prophesy, just prophesy, let God put the body back together. Let God put the business back together. Let God put the relationship back together. Let God build that up. God, I prophesy that my brother or my sister, that his wife will be healed, or that my brother or sister, that they'll have a job. Now, I don't go try to find them a job. I believe God's going to do it. God puts that together. Does that make sense to you? I know some of you are new in the Lord. We're working towards something here because if you're not taught right, you'll start to blame God. Well, I prophesied it didn't come to pass because you didn't prophesy it right. You were, should have been declaring when you were prophesying or you were declaring when you should have been prophesying. You should, and you shouldn't try to choreograph what God's trying to do. This is a word of instruction, okay? So he's saying laying sinews and causing flesh, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. No, in other words, all I have to do is prophesy and declare God does the rest. Verse number seven then says this, so I prophesied as what? As I was commanded, which by the way, we're still commanded to prophesy. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, it was a rattling. Now I've read the scripture, I bet a hundred times, no kidding. I've preached this scripture before and I always thought the rattling were the bones clicking and coming together. The rattling was not the bones clicking, coming together. That word rattling in the Hebrew actually means, and the earth quaked and shaked. There was an earth quaking that was taking place. This is how much God loves you. He'll move all heaven and earth to make sure that your needs are met. He will. Church, he will. Don't, listen, don't sleep on me. It's a, this, you're going you're gonna to find out that this is going to be real someday. You may not need a miracle today, but you're going to need one at some point in time. Jenny and I, we've experienced three or four or five major miracles in our, in our life. Major miracles where God has just moved and something inevitably would start to shake or quake. So, and behold, a rattling, the bones came together, bones to its bone, verse number eight. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them, flesh had come upon them, skin had covered them, and there was, but there was no breath in them. So we prophesy and God starts to move the pieces around. God starts to line up the back. God starts to line up the knee. God starts to line up the employer. God starts to line up the business uh, ventures. God starts to bring in capital. God starts to bring in people for relationship. God starts to maneuver those things around. He starts to move those around, but there was no breath. Verse number nine, and then he says, but he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds and the breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. Verse 10 says this, so I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them. 
Listen, when we prophesy, it's twofold. One, we prophesy, right? God, I need a job. Prophesy, I need a relationship. I prophesy, God, I need a healing. I prophesy all those things, but then it's twofold. Now I invite the power of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you see breath, it's always life. God formed Adam of the ground. Then what did he do? He breathed into them. John, the 14th chapter, God takes, Jesus takes the disciples, and what does he do? He breathes into them. He breathes them into a spiritual life. He breathes them into a, a fascinating life of ministry and discipleship. And the breath came upon them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army where you see bones, God will see an army. You see death, God sees life. You see failure, God sees success. You see, you see uh, something that uh, breaks apart your relationship, God sees restoration and redemption. Whatever you see that's negative, God sees the positive side. Ezekiel, can these bones live? God, only you know. Prophesy into those bones, Ezekiel. Prophesy. I invite the worship team to come back. Just a moment, I'm going to close with another scripture. I'm stuck on that word rattle. Like I said, that, that word rattle, that means quake and shake and earth shook. Let's go to Acts, the fourth chapter, verse 30 and 31. And he says, this is uh, Luke uh, teaching us out of Acts, while well, you stretch out your hand to heal, talking about Jesus, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31 then says, and when they had prayed, everybody say pray. I mean, those prayers are a good thing, right? And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And the same word as rattle, same word as quake. And so what Jesus did at the resurrection, when he took, blessed, broke, and gave away, he allowed us to do the same thing, to prophesy to dead areas in our life. So what all of heaven would shake and the spirit of the living God would come in and make sure that those things that we're praying for, there would be life to them. Can you give the Lord? a shout of praise this morning. It's amazing what will happen. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Stand with me this morning. This church, man, I want you to get this. It's, a, it's an amazing thing that Jesus before, listen, don't be the disciples before resurrection. They're at the dinner table at the Last Supper arguing they're sleeping, and they're betraying. Those are three things that the disciples did to Jesus on the night he was betrayed. And now afterwards, they've been given power by the Holy Spirit to walk around town and start to prophesy life into people, start to proclaim deliverance over people, start to see healing in people. And don't you get mad if someone decides to do that because they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's God working in them. I'm going to call it. Hey, Landon and Carol, come up here for a second. Tom, is Tom in bed here? Tom, D uh, David and Teresa, you're part of our eldership. Come up here for a second. Um, would you guys come up here for a second? Dale and Monica, Marcus and Charity, are you able to come up here? You can come up here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to believe. We're, we're going to stand in agreement. You know, uh, people need healing. People need miracles. People need deliverance. People need, people need uh, sanctification. We're going to come, yes. So, so here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to act like we like each other. We do. You come up and you need a miracle, we're going to gather with you. 
We're going to be community. And, and, and we're going to prophesy over you. And if we need to not prophesy, then we'll declare and we'll proclaim. So if, I want you to just check your spirit for a second. I want you, to not, you don't have to check your heart. I want you to say, man, you know what? I came today hoping I could just see a miracle. I need a miracle in my life. I've come to church before needing a miracle and, and knowing that God would show up and be able to give me that miracle. If you're here today, you need a miracle in just a moment. We're going to sing a song, and we're going to sing the song Rattle. Why? Because we're asking God to shake. We're asking God to quake the heavens and the earth. And then we're going to have a prayer team here that's going to prophesy over you and speak life into you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray, and then they're going to sing, and I'm going to invite you to come. If you want or need a miracle today, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, or you think you dropped the ball and, and God can't forgive you, you need to come up here. we got people that are going to pray with you and pray for you and declare things over you. Amanda, come on. Yeah, come up here, Amanda. So let me pray. And you just, just in your spirit, just in your heart, say, man, I was longing for someone to pray with me today. I, I need, I need my heart to burn within me. I need it to be like fire shut up in my bones. I need to speak to those dry bones and I need to watch them live. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray your righteous blood over this house today that every word we speak, everything we do, would bring life, would bring breath, and we prophesy right now to any dry bone in this place that they would come alive. Whether you've already done it, you've already spoken it, we have to receive it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I challenge you to come today and get the miracle that God has already for you. In Jesus' name.
of the church. Let him anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith. You can come up, Marcus, and tell him. But the prayer of faith is what's going to heal you. And so, so many times, like pastors said, God is in the house. The miracle's in the house. We just don't have the boldness to step out and take it. So, I encourage you, even if you missed it, find one of these people afterwards and say, hey, you know what? I, I didn't get in there, but I, I, I want to get it. Because the Spirit is here, and he's here to meet that need. So 
Let me just encourage you. Just find one of them that was up here and just say, you pray for me, I missed it. I don't want to miss it. Amen. Yeah, what James chapter 5 says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will, not might, but will make the sick person well. Amen. So we believe that. We pray the prayer of faith. There's a story in the Old Testament about a prophet who tells somebody to go to the Jordan River and cleanse themselves, and then they're going to be healed. And the guy's like, I don't really want to do that. And he's like, okay, well, it's up to you. If you don't want to get better, then don't do that. He's like, but can't you just lay hands on me, prophet? Well, you just have to, I already told you what you need to do to get better. And so it's not that the elder is so much like their prayers are so much better than anybody else's prayer in here. It's just you're being obedient to what the Word says. And there are people that God has put in the body. Some have gifts of healing. Some have gifts of miracles. Some have gifts of faith. God has put elders in this place for that spiritual covering. Why? So that God can be glorified. If I'm praying for my friend just quietly, my friend is sick, and then my friend just gets better, well, he doesn't even know that I prayed for him. He doesn't even know that God is the one that healed him, all right? But if my friend comes forward and says, hey, I need a miracle. And I said, all right, let's get the elders together. Let's anoint you with oil. Let's pray for you in the name of Jesus. Be healed. And then that person gets better. Then guess what? God gets the glory. Amen? Because we all get to see what God did. So please share your testimonies. We want to know that God did a miracle in your heart. For those that we prayed for today, we're going to be sharing those testimonies. Tell somebody about what God did. So uh, I'm going to pray for all of us. I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to speak life over you. Um, and, I, and I want you to make sure you seek somebody out and say, hey, this is what God is doing for me. Or if you do still need to receive that prayer, if you didn't come forward, it's not too late. All right? So why don't we, if you're comfortable, lift your hands up to the Lord. And I want you just to uh, go to God with that devotion in your heart to say, Lord, give me everything you have for me. Heal my body. But just take that step of obedience out so that God can totally be glorified. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, you would touch each person here in this place. God, that you'd fill us with your spirit to do what you've called us to do. Lord, that you would give us the gifts that you want us to have, the spiritual gifts. Lord, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Lord Jesus, we know it's you that does the miracle. We know that it is you that heals. We know that it is by your stripes we are healed. That in the name of Jesus, every sickness has to flee. That in Jesus' name, every demon has to go. That in Jesus' name, every spirit of oppression, every spirit of addiction, every stronghold has to bow down to the name of Jesus. You have no place in the kingdom of God, in these children of God. So we take authority over every hindering spirit, every sickness and every disease, every cancerous cell has to go in the name of Jesus. You have no place here. We claim our authority as children of God and our joint inheritance with Jesus Christ. And we say we are healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you bless each person here today, that you fill us with such hope and joy to walk out of these doors as ambassadors of Christ to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you are and all that you've done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody shout amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget the welcome party is next Sunday. Sign up for that.
Don't forget to buy your women's ministry tickets. And if you want to help Little Red's Wagon at the Salvation Army today, be there. Talk to Little Red. Brandon, what time is supposed to be? God bless you. We love you. We'll see you later. for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.